The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. This Monday, April the 11th, 2022. Whether you're listening on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you've chosen to listen via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or the Alexa-enabled devices that you have in your household or on your person, I appreciate you tuning in here to the show. This is Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, and we're talking lots of local today. I know that you guys have uh, options of where you get your sports news, information, opinions, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, entertainment even at times. And I appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean Show here uh, every weekday, 7 to 9, right here on ESPN Tucson. We're continuing to talk the Arizona spring game because, look, this is this was the focus of my weekend. Uh, I didn't, wasn't focusing on the Masters. I wasn't focusing on whether or not Frank Vogel was going to be fired by the Los Angeles Lakers and the, the, the bleep show that the Los Angeles Lakers franchise has become. And we'll talk about that. Trust me, we will get into it. Uh, but the focus of the weekend was really on the spring game. I wanted to see what this team looked like, what these individual players looked like. And, and again, the scrimmage is not going to tell you a whole lot about how good this team is going to be. But it will, you, you know, you get to see what the guys look like in person, in action. You get to see their size, their speed on the field. You get to see how the quarterbacks throw the football. And we're going to talk about quarterbacks right now because four quarterbacks played on Saturday. Jordan McLeod getting the start. Uh, on one side, Jaden Delora getting the start on the other side, and then they were replaced later in the game by Gunnar Cruz and Noah Fafita, respectively. Um, I look, I like what I saw out of the quarterbacks. I know that that Delora, it seemed like he was under pressure almost the entire time he was out there, and Teddy Bruschi got in a little bit of trouble for dialing up blitzes <laughs> in the game <laughs> because uh, yeah, he was. He was he was mixing it up quite a bit on the defensive side of the ball, and really, you know, I'm sure that that uh, Jetfish don't want doesn't want that happening too much. He wants you know he wants guys to get in rhythm and throw in the football. Uh, so I think Teddy got in a little trouble for that. But yeah, Teddy being a gamer, it's what he does. <laughs> wouldn't expect anything less. Wouldn't want anything less uh, from Teddy in that in that uh, situation. Um, let's start with what we saw from Jane Delora. Obviously, he's one of the two newcomers to the program at quarterback transferring in from Washington State. You watch him play. First of all, the, the, the first thing I noticed was just the fundamentals of getting the ball, getting, you know, receiving the snap, and getting into your throwing motion. He's very fluid. Uh, you can tell he's, <laughs> he's been professionally trained uh, and, and has worked on that a lot. His footwork and the way he catches the snap – both look very, very natural. Like they, they, it, you know, it looks like. I mean, either he's extremely gifted in that aspect, or he's just worked on it so much that it's become uh, second nature to him. That's the first thing that I noticed. You know, those are the things that you want to see. You want to see. You don't want to see guys that are clunky but can throw a football a country mile. Um, you know, you want to see guys play the position, and the position starts with receiving the snap. That's you know, one of the most important things of the of, of the of the entire play is the quarterback receiving the snap cleanly. 
and he was able to do that, able to get himself into his throwing position. And again, he was under pressure a lot. That was one of the things I noticed. I'm like, what are the linebackers doing in the in the backfield? Yeah, it's blitzing. Um, so we didn't get a chance to see what he would look like set up in the pocket a whole lot, uh, unfortunately. And again, I, you know, I may go back and watch the Pac-12 replay of it and just kind of you know look a little bit more through the camera eye, but just through my own eye. Uh, I, I I liked a lot of what I saw out of Jaden Delora, and I don't know what the stats were if they even kept statistics. I'm sure somebody did, and the the team knows the stats and things like that. They're not going to share it with us. There's no box score or anything like that. Um, but I thought that uh, that he delivered the ball pretty well. Again, it, it, it's going to take time with these receivers. There's a lot of new pieces, and I you know I mentioned it on Friday in the show. How many new pieces are on this team, and it's going to take time for them to gel. We've had 14 practices together, total. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of individual work time, you know, between the players uh, during the summer. They'll, you know, they'll get together. The quarterbacks and receivers will have their own private little workouts together, um, you know, non-sanctioned, of course, by the uh, by the program and by the school. So, uh, th- you know, the things will improve. But I, I liked what I saw. Just, just the basics. Just the the fundamentals of the quarterback position. And again, you know, Delora is a guy that I only watched on TV last year and again liked what i saw uh out of you know i thought there were there were some maturity issues and that's going to be part of you know being a freshman and being such a young quarterback in a system like at washington state but again that wasn't the great system that he was in there with the way that everything broke down last year with the firing of the coach and the refusal of of five of the coaches to get the shot and therefore they were fired and then you have another coach coming in who's never been a head coach. It was just it was complete disarray. So I'm not surprised that his you know his performances were inconsistent last year, and yet he was still able to put up the numbers that he did and get the awards that he did. And uh, I, I was impressed by what I saw from Jaden Delora. Jordan McLeod I thought looked good again. I mean you know Jordan is um, you know he's a guy that's going to run the offense, and I thought he ran the offense well. Jordan's got good athleticism. If the play breaks down, he can get out and run. Um, you know, we, we like what we saw to Jordan last year, uh, aside from, you know, the one game where he, you know, he just you know, threw too many interceptions. But, again, that's just – those are all part of the growing pains of this program. But I like having Jordan McLeod in this program, and I think, uh, you know, I think that he's going to serve that quarterback room and that offense well. Uh, Gunnar Cruz threw a touchdown pass in the game, found T-Mac for that 30, a 33 or 34-yard touchdown pass. You, you know what you're going to get with Gunner. <laughs> you big, tall, statuesque quarterback that can rifle a football down the field. And it looks like he's improved his footwork uh, in the offseason. That was good to see. A little more fluid getting in and, you know, in and out of the pocket. Um, uh, you know, the, the progressions will come, you know, that's that's just – time in you know in the seat essentially uh in this offense he'll you know he'll learn that kind of stuff uh as far as you know as far as that goes but again guy like Gunnar Cruz important to have somebody like that here he's you know he's a valuable piece to that uh, to that quarterback room let's talk about the freshman that's what everybody wants to talk about everybody wants to see the freshman quarterback you know the new kid on the block uh the kid that you know that has made a lot of uh you know a lot of waves and such not only coming out of high school, but on, you know, social media has been very active. His family's very active on social media um, and obviously has been very active in recruiting other players to Arizona to follow him. You know, he's a guy that's been committed from day one. And Noah Fafita uh, on the field yesterday, we got our first look at him 
in an Arizona uniform throwing a football. I, 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 I could not be more impressed by what I saw from Noah. You know, that's a, that's a tough situation for a freshman to go into. You've had 14 practices total in your college career. Uh, and he went out there, and it was like he was a redshirt junior out there running the offense for the third year and directing players around. You just – all the things that I kind of felt that Noah brings to this program, you know, as part of his whole – the whole package that Noah Fafita is. You know, I, I know that I've brought up on Anu Solomon a lot in, in comparing the two together, and it, it has a lot to do with – the the moxie, the leadership that they have, just the inherent leadership. And, you know, Anu was a real quiet guy, and I don't know enough about Noah to know whether he's, you know, a vocal or a, or a quiet guy. He seems to be kind of quiet, but, again, he's 18 years old. <laughs> you know, so it's like, all right, sure, yeah, he's probably real quiet. He's probably, you know, doe-eyed and, and is trying to just figure out how to, you know, go to college and, you know, all those things that go along with being a student as well. So what I – my my preconceived notions about Noah Fafita were confirmed. When you watched him, you know, quote-unquote, in the huddle, uh, just the, the direction of the way that he ran the offense, you can just tell that guys want to play for him. They want to play with him. They You know, they want to be in that huddle. They want to be one of the other ten guys that play with Noah Fafita on, on the field. And, again, I, I don't know if – if there's going to be a considerable quarterback competition this year between Noah and Jaden Delora, but I will tell you this, it is, it is palpable. Uh, and if this program, if this program didn't have Jaden Delora transfer into it from Washington state, I would feel like this program was still in good hands. If they wanted to hand the football off to Noah Fafita to be the starting quarterback. If, if Delora wasn't here, I think Delora should be the starter. He's earned it. He's obviously got himself the accolades, the experience in this conference being a very, very good football player at the most important position. Uh, and if he can pick up the offense as quickly as, as we all think that he can, then he's going to be a huge asset to this offense. But like I said, if he hadn't transferred here, I still think that it would be fine handing off the ball to Noah Fafita, just based on what I saw in the 20 minutes that he played on Saturday. Uh and, and, you know, I think I was maybe looking for different things with him than I was from, from Delora. I didn't expect Noah to be a polished, uh, you know, quarterback, you know, with, with, his, with his fluidity and his movement in and out of the pocket and, and his read and recognitions and his, you know, mo- moving through the progressions and all this. I didn't expect any of that stuff. I wasn't looking for that. I wanted to see what he looked like as a leader out there. And he, he, it was impressive. I, I, I liked what I saw. He's got a big arm. He can he can sling the ball. I was impressed by by his arm strength, um, and again, just his overall command of the other ten guys on that on that side of the ball. It's so it's it's so incredibly important. I mean, look, Bill Walsh, who I think is one of the smartest people to ever walk the sidelines of a football field. You know, he was asked why his offense is so difficult. Why does why does he have to make his offense so difficult? Why you know why do you have these you know, 30 word plays, you know, that you, that you have in your eye. Like why, what's the point of that? And he says, I need to make sure that I make the game as difficult for one guy so that he can make it as easy as possible for the other 10. So it's important. It was, it was, it was so important for Bill Walsh to have 
that kind of a guy, and he did, and Joe Montana and Steve Young, and guys that could pick up the offense and be a leader of the other ten and make things easier on them. So I make, you know, he, he make things hard on his quarterbacks with a v- extremely difficult offense to grasp, so that they could make that the other, you know, the other they would make the offense easier for the other ten guys. I see that in Noah Fafita. I think he's that kind of a guy that even if something breaks down, that he'll be able to get everybody lined up, get them in the situation to move forward and make something out of nothing. So uh, I, I just I, I'm I'm very pleased with where this program is right now, and I know that I'm probably sipping a whole lot of Kool-Aid after a, a scrimmage that was, uh, you know, a, a, an inter, inter-squad scrimmage. Um, you know, and we shouldn't get excited about those kinds of things. But, again, I, I was looking at individual play, looking at what they look like, you know, physically. What do they look like? What is – what has T.O. been doing with them? You know, Tyler Owens, the, the strength and conditioning coach, what has he been doing with these, with these players? And they just look different. Like, standing on the sideline and walking next to these guys, they're, it's, it's a different-looking program. And the recruits that they had on campus and, you know, the people that, you know, some of the, the visitors that were here looking at this program, they look different too. Like, some of these kids – that you know that are going to be going into their senior season in high school look like they, I mean they look like grown ass men like the twenty plus year old adults like some of these dudes are built I was like God look at that that kid six four two hundred and thirty pounds he's solid muscle I, you know these are these are different times for Arizona football and it's a good thing um, there was a lot of action on Twitter over the weekend players tweeting out that they uh, you know potential recruits essentially tweeting out that they enjoyed their time and that the the atmosphere in Tucson felt like home it felt like family these are all really really those are those are buzzwords for coaches like when when a when a recruit says home family you know you know fit all that kind of when they use those little buzzwords those are those are words of affirmation if you will uh, for for a coaching staff to hear from a potential recruit, and those are some of the things that were being said on Twitter and, and things I like got from the from the players who visited and the families who visited. So, not even talking about what you know what's going on with this year's team, but I'm trying to paint a picture of what this program looks like right now, and I feel like you know all the work that has been done, it's going to pay dividends in more than just what we see on the field. If they can keep this culture going, and that's it's an extremely difficult thing to do in the volatile world that is college athletics, to keep a culture. It is so incredibly difficult. If you don't have the heritage of, of you know, one of like, like they, they call them the blue bloods in, in basketball, right? If you don't have that heritage, if you're not a, a Kansas, a Duke, a Carolina, a Kentucky, an Arizona, if you don't have that that heritage, it's really difficult to build and keep a culture. And in football, it's the same way. And you look at teams that have lost their culture, and no offense to my producer, Mary, who is a diehard Nebraska fan and a Nebraska alum, but that once extremely proud program, multiple national championship winning program, has lost it. I mean, and, and they even have brought guys in that have been part of that heritage, part of that history of that great program's success. And they still can't wrestle it back away from where it went. It is so difficult to establish and keep your culture 
in the in the volatile world that is college athletics, especially if you don't have a heritage. So it's going to be important for Jetfish and his crew to get the get the right guys in here that will continue to carry the torch. And it starts, and I'll be honest with you, it starts with the alumni. There were a, a, a it was a laundry list of alum former letter winners of the football program on that sideline Saturday. Things that we did not see during the Rich Rod era and things that we definitely did not see during the Kevin Sumlin era. I mean, Sumlin and Rich Rod, Rich Rod started to open up a little bit later in, in, in his time here at Arizona, but at the beginning it was like he closed all doors to the alums, like, you know, we don't need a bunch of visitors here. And then when Sumlin got here, it was basically like, don't give them anything. We don't care. We don't, we don't want any former players painting this program is basically the way that it was described to me. Like, there were play, like former players, players who played four years, five years for this program, put in their blood, their sweat, and their tears. They went to the NFL carrying, you know, the, the badge of the, the Block A with them, and they couldn't even get a T-shirt from the, from the equipment program, uh, from the equipment staff, because someone didn't allow the alums around the program. Like, they couldn't even get gear. Like, <laughs> how ridiculous is that? And now you got Jed Fish and Teddy Bruski's coaching on one sideline and Lance Briggs is coaching on the other sideline. And you've got, uh, I mean, Khalil Tate was, was on the side. Trunk Candidate was on the sideline. There were tons of guys, former letter winners, on that football field. And that's, that's what you have to go back to. You, you have to recognize the people that got you to where you are. And where we are right now is not, in, is, is not the fault of those players of previous years. Where we are right now is the fault of the latter half of a coaching, you know, a coaching career who had given up on the program and then an entire career of, uh, you know, or a tenure of someone who didn't give a rip about the program to begin with. That's not the fault of the players. That's not Lance Briggs's problem. That's not Teddy Bruschi's fault. That's not, you know, it's it, you know any of, any of the, the the alums that were out there. I mean, Trung had himself a fantastic career in football. We love. I mean, he's still one of the most. I've never seen somebody accelerate like Trung candidate in my life ever. <laughs> like even like world class sprinters. I mean, this guy was wearing helmets and pads, and nobody could. You, you couldn't as soon as he saw a wrinkle. In the offensive line, he was gone. I mean, look, we can live in the yesteryear all we all we want, and it's it's great to do that. The most important thing is that these guys are back. They're welcomed with open arms. They're on the sidelines. They're having a good time. They're wearing gear. All of them. All of them were wearing gear. Khalil was wearing a Andre Iguodala jersey. How awesome is that? He was interviewed on Pac-12. Like, just great stuff to see. And that's where it begins. If you want to establish the culture. You have to recognize those that got you there. You have to. You can't just shut them out. Because without them, you don't have any history. And without history, you have no future. Period. End of story. So Jetfish and this staff have done the right thing in recognizing the things that they need to do to get this program back to having some form of culture, some something to, to have pride in. And once you have that, you get other people, you get eyeballs on your program, and if they can start winning football games, it, I mean, and, like that's the big if, right? Because in the end, 
nobody's going to give a rip about your culture if you go 2-10. and 10. <laughs> We got a great culture here. We lost every game by 30 points. I, you know, that, that doesn't work. That doesn't that, – that only the, – the culture will only get you so far. Eventually it's got to turn into wins. It will. It will. I, you can't look at this roster and say this team is, is going to go 1-11 and and only win that game because of, uh, you know, the, the opposing team lost 31 players because of COVID protocols. <laughs> okay? This is, not, this is not that football team. This football team is going to make a difference this year. And the schedule is ridiculously difficult. This team could go 0-3 in the non-con and win four games in the conference. I mean, it's, 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 one, of those, it's one of those types of seasons. It just looks like that. I, I still think Arizona's got a non-con win in them, maybe two, depending on how this thing gets together. But that's, look, that's on the coaching staff getting these guys ready, preparing these dudes to play come September. And I can't wait. There will be a fall practice, uh, a fall scrimmage, and uh, we'll do that in, in August. Uh, leading up to, um, leading up to the uh, the regular season, it's probably a, a, a game that's not going to be available to the fans. It'll just be a scrimmage, a run through of the game, essentially. Is you know we we do it all the time. I don't know if it'll be open to the fans or not, but um, I'll have some more to report from you after that. But all right, right now, we're on our our summer, our you know the rest of the summer season pause until they get back on campus in uh, in August and, uh, and start working. Maybe actually it might be the end of July, actually, I think that they uh, they can report back. So, But we'll have more news and stuff for you. We'll keep continuing to cover Arizona football, as we always do here on the Jeff Dean Show and on ESPN Tucson. Don't forget to check out uh, Spears and Ali this afternoon as well. Justin was there at the game, and I'm sure he has plenty of opinions, and he talked to a lot of people there as well, and uh, it'll be interesting to hear the opinions of, uh, of Justin and, of course, Ali as they, uh, they have their show this afternoon from 3 to 6. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, the NBA playoffs are set. The play-in tournament is ready to go. The seedings 1 through 6 are locked in. What can we expect from this year's NBA postseason, and how much of a chance do the Suns have at winning that coveted championship? We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Real quick before I uh, move on to the NBA, I did have one other note here. I saw that uh, Arizona recruit Rayshon Luke, Speedy, you may know him as, we saw him in that uh, in that uh, that All Star game, essentially just a, a few months ago, racing to the to the end zone a couple of times, he was able to run in a track meet um, over the weekend, and he ran a ten three one hundred. That's what Jesse Owens ran in the thirty six Olympics when he won the gold medal. <laughs> like, uh, and I know that world class sprinters are now in the you know the high nines like nine seven nine even nine six. I mean the, the world record's nine five nine right by uh, Usain Bolt. Uh, obviously not going to be running anywhere near those numbers, but a 10-3-100 from a 17-year-old kid uh, just turned 17. Woo! <laughs> Man, that is, uh, that is impressive. That kid, that kid can flat move. Uh, I saw the picture of the finish line of the race that he ran, and he was four lengths ahead of anybody else. <laughs> yeah, so... Get excited about him. I'll, I can't wait for him to get on campus and get on this football team. I want to see him. I'll turn him loose, man. Let's go. All right, the NBA playoffs are set. The play-in tournament 
is uh, is good to go. Again, I, I don't I don't like the play in tournament, but it is what it is, and we're you know we're just gonna have to deal with it because that's what the NBA is uh, looking at as their latest money grab uh, in the postseason. So the seven eight game, those are gonna be played tomorrow. That is to determine who the seven seed is in this uh, in in the postseason for both conferences, and then the the loser winner of the double elimination nine ten seven eight matchups. They will play on Wednesday to determine who the eighth seed will be, who plays the top seed. Now, the top seed in the East turned out to be the Miami Heat. They had to stave off the Boston Celtics, who came on like gangbusters, who are by far and away the best defensive team in the league. The Milwaukee Bucks, uh, who are far and away not the best defensive team in the league, but good Lord, can they score. Um, so those are, your, those are your one, two, three. And then Philly... At the four seed, by the way, the two seed, three seed, and four seed, Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, all finished the regular season with the same record, 51 and 31, all 20 games above 500. Uh, the, the Eastern Conference, I read somewhere that the top 10 teams were separated by a total of 10 games because Cleveland is six games over 500 also, uh, and the, the, both the Hornets and the Hawks, the nine and 10 seeds, they have the same record at 43 and 39. But so the, 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 Top 10 teams in the Eastern Conference separated by 10 games, which is the closest it has ever been since the NBA-ABA merger. Not that way in the Western Conference, though. Phoenix Suns ran away with it, 64 wins this year. Memphis gets the two seed, wrestles it away from Golden State, who has been having all kinds of injury problems. Uh, And quite frankly, they've been through stretches where they just didn't play good basketball. Memphis had their own injury problem to their superstar John Morant. Didn't matter. They went 20-2 and two in the games without him. Or 20, was it 20-2 and two or 20-3? and three? One of the – doesn't matter. They won a lot of games, and the winning percentage was off the charts, even without John Morant. Um, that team is scary. You know, they're, they're a two-seed that's going to be hungry. They're inexperienced, but they're a scary team. And they were able to beat the Suns this year. Those were some close games. So if those are the two teams that meet in the Western Conference Finals, we're in for a huge treat. Golden State is the the most interesting. I think Golden State and Philly, to me, are the two most interesting teams in this in this postseason. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, the Brooklyn Nets." Look, the Brooklyn Nets—they're uh, a disaster. Um, they they may win a uh, they they may win a, a series, but look, if if Brooklyn plays Boston in the first round, I don't I don't think Brooklyn wins that series. I, Boston's defense is way too good. I don't think I don't think Brooklyn wins that. If Brooklyn plays Miami, they got a chance. But I don't I don't you know, they'd have to lose the first game and then win the second game in order to play Miami. So I don't think they want to lose. But regardless, to me, Golden State and Philadelphia are the two most interesting, noteworthy teams in this particular postseason because they have the potential to really go out and upset teams from their position. And being a three seed is not a huge upset, but we gotta remember that you know, Golden State, they're big three, right? Steph, Clay, and Draymond. They've played this year together on the court for a grand total of 11 minutes. Not games, not quarters, minutes. The big three has spent 11 minutes together on the court. And now Steve Kerr, still one of the greatest coaches of this century in, in, you know, in basketball, is going to have to find a way to merge those players – into a winning, you know, a winning formula 
to win playoff series. And they open up with Denver. That is not an easy matchup. You got you got Joker. Uh, you know, Denver is has that potential to always be ridiculously dangerous. So, um, you know, they got the Nuggets to start off. Now they'll get home court advantage, and Golden State is a very good basketball team, even when the big three aren't playing together. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see when Iguodala comes back and how much rotation time he gets because he's going to be important for them. Then you got the Dallas-Utah matchup. Dallas, I, I saw Luka has a calf strain. He strained his calf in the final game of the season, so that's not great news for Dallas. And Dallas is one of those teams also sitting there, that four seed, that could be a problem for the teams at the top, Phoenix and Memphis and Golden State. So, look, I'm looking forward to the NBA playoffs. I do every year, and this year even a little bit more because I, I just – more so than just the record of the Phoenix Suns, I believe they're the best team in the league, and they should win the championship. I mean, they had 13 more wins this year than the Milwaukee Bucks, whom they lost to in the finals last year. Have they learned their lesson on how to deal with Giannis? Uh, you know, does did did Milwaukee lose a little bit too much in the offseason in terms of how to deal with the Suns in a postseason run? Will the Milwaukee Bucks even make it there? I mean, these are all questions that have to be answered, and we're going to get them – uh, answered here pretty soon because uh, the playoffs are going to begin on Friday, and uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, round one and you know the 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 teams will be seated seven you know one through eight seven eight so will be determined, and uh, we'll know who the sevens are tomorrow night and uh, in the play in tournament. So keep an eye out for that. We'll have of course all the news here for you of the NBA playoffs, and uh, we'll keep the coverage here, and we'll talk with some people about uh, about the Phoenix Suns as well and the other NBA teams that are going to be in this tournament and trying to win the championship here in the playoffs. But, again, like I said, I think the Suns are the best team in the league. They should be the favorites to win the championship, and I think if they don't win the championship, that will be a disappointment. This team is ready to win that to win that trophy. And then we'll see what happens with DeAndre and all that other stuff after, after the season's over. But right now, focus on winning that championship, get things done, and uh, see if you can convert. It's, I'm such a diehard Phoenix Suns fan. I just like, It's almost like something's going to go wrong. I know it. I know something's going to go wrong because <laughs> something always does go wrong for the Phoenix Suns when they've got a great team. So, but we'll wait and see. I think uh, you know, I think they're going to do it. I've well, I staked a lot of money on the fact that they're going to do it. I did it early, so we will uh, we will wait and see. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, more from the Jeff Dean Show right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Question here. Has the Los Angeles Lakers head coaching job become the worst job in the NBA? It's a legitimate question today that that needs to be asked. Because by all accounts, Frank Vogel, their head coach, will be fired today, although... Uh, the sources have already started to say that he will be that he has been fired or that they, the decision has been made uh, as of yesterday. Nothing official was made, and Frank Vogel said in a quote, "He goes, I haven't been told bleep." So uh, obviously, the the you say something like that, you know it's coming, but you know you haven't been told. And quite honest, he's better off out of that place. There's a, a Bill Oram who writes for the Athletic. Uh, had a great prologue to his um, to his uh, uh, article today, 
It says, help wanted. Are you a proven NBA head coach who doesn't mind being hung out to dry and humiliated, who enjoys being second-guessed and micromanaged? The Los Angeles Lakers have just the job for you. The ideal candidate understands the privilege of working for the 17-time champion Lakers vastly outweighs things like job security, input on personnel, and professional courtesy. <laughs> it's, it's true. Okay, so in Frank Vogel's time in Los Angeles, let's, let's just go ahead and recount the, 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 the history of, of Frank Vogel as their head coach. When he got hired, they made it known. They publicly said that he was their third choice. Third, not he was, uh, you know, he was a, a, a strong candidate all along, even if he wasn't your first choice, which everybody knows he wasn't. That's fine. But you don't come out and say, well, he was actually our third choice, but the, the first two guys turned us down. So we had to go with, with Vogel. Then when they, they drop a contract for the poor guy, that he's paid less than most of the other coaches in the league. I think he was 27th in the league in salary for the Lakers. And the entire time he has had his manhood cut off by the conglomerate of people who feel like they need their input on that franchise, whether it be owners, family, former players, former players and their agents, the GM, or the players themselves who just decided to make up the roster in their own visions. How did that work out for them? Listen, as long as Genie Bus is running that, as long as Rob Palinka is making the quote-unquote personnel decisions, and as long as LeBron James is running all of it from his position on the court, that will continue to be maybe the worst job in the league. And I'll say it because you're, the expectations are through the roof. 17-time champions, one asterisk in there, the bubble year. I still don't give them that because the Suns should have been in and the Suns would have won that thing, I guarantee you. The, the, uh, the, the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers is expected to win championships every single year. We give you all the best resources. and Really? You look at that team? That roster, the, the roster that, is, that was made up, I can't believe that people thought that team was even going to compete for a number one position in this in the in the in the NBA you know, a championship let alone a playoff spot. I said when the season began I don't think the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. I was chastised. People called me a hater. I was a Laker hater and that I'm drinking too much Suns Kool-Aid and the Lakers own the Phoenix Suns blah 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 blah. Where are you at? Where are you at? Because plenty of you Laker fans came out of the woodworks to let me know what an idiot I was. Should have kept receipts. What I should have done. I, I'm not. I'm not that petty of a person, so I'm not going to do that. So, but I remember what I said. I said I don't think the Lakers are going to make the playoffs this year, and I I might have been one of the only people that was aware enough to realize that this team was not meant for the playoffs. It is a disaster in Los Angeles, and I couldn't. I'm telling you, I couldn't be happier. I know Laker fans. I'm dancing on your grave right now, and I'm happy to do it. That team sucks. That franchise has become a shell of its former self. And if you're a Laker fan, if you're a longtime Laker fan, you should be ashamed because that is a train wreck of a franchise right now who doesn't treat anybody with any respect and has 
probably discouraged whatever head coach. They might as well just name LeBron the head coach because no self-respecting head coach of a basketball program is going to take that job because Frank Vogel is going to be fired in a few minutes. And I don't know anyone, again, any self-respecting man who would want to take that job. Do you think you can change the Lakers? You can't change the Lakers from the head coaching position. You can't do that. There's too many people that are involved that claim it as their own, whether it be the owner, the GM, former players, or the players themselves. you got you got way too many bodies to climb over to get to the top of that hill. You're just a puppet. You're... You're an underappreciated, underpaid, disrespected puppet. Tell me one person that wants to take that job. One. Oh, sure, you probably get a former player to take the job. Oh, yeah, let's bring in, you know, whomever, former player. It, it's, look, it's not, it's, it's not going to happen. That team needs to be blown up, period. Blow it up. Listen, if the Lakers suck, it's bad for the NBA. It really is. People say all you want, oh, the Clippers are good. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about the Clippers. How many championship banners the Clippers got? None. Zero. Nada. For decades, they were considered the worst franchise in all of sports. And now you want to say, oh, the Clippers can care. No, they can't. They won't. They don't. (laughs) Period. For the NBA to be successful, the Lakers need to be good. And I hate saying that. I hate it when people – it's good when these teams are good. But in this case, it's true. I want the Lakers to be good. I want the Suns to be great. I want the Lakers to be good. It's fun every now and then to dance on the Lakers when they're bad. And right now is that time. We'll take advantage of that. But, man, I, I, I don't know <laughs> – I don't know who, who in their right mind would take that stinking job. Nobody. $5 Dinger Tuesdays are here and available on FanDuel Sportsbook. You can go yard all summer long because this season, all of FanDuel's customers will get $5 back for every home run hit by both teams whenever you place a $25 wager on a Tuesday night Major League Baseball game for a player to hit a home run. It's one of those player props. You just pick someone to hit a home run. You pick your game, okay? You go through the, the, go through the rosters. You say, I'm going to pick this person to hit a home run. If they don't hit the home run, you're going to get $5 back for every home run hit in that game. So, like, for instance, tomorrow, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and take Vlad. I'm going to take Vlad Guerrero of Toronto to hit a home run against the Yankees in tomorrow night's Major League Baseball game. If Vlad hits, I will gladly cash in that $25 ticket. If he doesn't, I will gladly accept the $5 back for every home run that is hit in that game. So what are you waiting for? Pick your home run hitter today and turn big swings into big wins. And there's no better place to do that with America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook, and America's favorite pastime, Major League Baseball. So head on over to your FanDuel account, whether you're an existing user or a new user. If you're a new user, sign up with my promo code, Dean, that's D-E-A-N, sign up with my promo code to give you access to other great promotions offered exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over in President Arizona. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max bonus $25. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342. When I return, I'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's Monday edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. 
The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. Sorry, coughing here, having a coughing fit. (laughs) Oh, boy. Thankfully, it's the final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. And I realized during the break that I have not gotten to my NFL news yet. And I promised to talk NFL every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show. Now, the the report is, if you're if you're a Browns fan, I don't know how you exactly would take this. Um, the reports are that Deshaun Watson, like the, the, the litigation, the cases against Deshaun Watson will not go to trial until March of next year. So this will continue to linger throughout the 2022 season. Now, that could be considered good news or it could be considered bad news because – what you have is if you don't have the civil trials going on, then he's essentially going to be available for, uh, you know, for, for playing the game. If, if, you know, the NFL allows him to, to play, which I don't think they really can disallow him. So it, it sounds like, you know, I mean, honestly, I mean, let's just, let's just get down to it here. What he needs to do is just get these people what they want, settle out of court, don't let this thing go to, to trial. And I'm sure there will be some people that don't want to settle out of court. But, God, because, I mean, you're talking about 22 civil cases. That's 22 trials. 22. Because they, they, they're not going to be, held, you know, all held once together. They're going to be all individual. So, uh, I, you know, again, I'm glad I'm not involved in this. But, uh, nonetheless, it doesn't sound like there's going to be any trials this year. And uh, because the the attorneys are like, no, nope, oh, sorry, we're not gonna not gonna do it this year. Or we have to wait another year to find out what all is going on. And and you know the biggest thing is is those people who have brought litigation against him, the plaintiffs in the case, are going to have to continue to wait for an outcome to something that has happened, you know, now two three years ago. So unfortunately, no closure on this uh, on this whole thing yet. Now the you know, we talked earlier in the in the off season about Kyler Murray scrubbing his Instagram and how I don't know childish that is, but again, it's not something that I totally understand because I'm not part of that generation. It's not it's not something that I that I click with. Debo Samuel, wide receiver of the 49ers, who <clears throat> had himself a incredibly impactful breakout season in doing all kinds of things, running the football and getting the football in his hands, also scrubbed his Instagram account over the weekend of the 49ers. Uh, you know, this is all, these are all movements to try to get teams to, you know, pay what they're wanting to give an extension and stuff. Like the, the, the extension for Debo Samuel is coming. And, you know, unfortunately for the 49ers, the wide receiver market has gone completely awry thanks to the Jacksonville Jaguars and Christian Kirk. So we'll have to wait and see the saga of scrubbing Instagram accounts on the NFL and other leagues as well. That is going to wrap up today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for pushing all the right buttons and keeping me on the air. Of course, take, check out Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6, and I will see you guys again tomorrow morning right here for the next edition of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. 
Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.